Hello, everyone. Welcome to another edition of Innovation Tech Talks. I'm your host, Joe Topi, Managing Editor of Innovation and Tech Today. Today, we have a really exciting guest considering we're hitting the NFL playoffs right now. It's Merrill Hodge, former ESPN analyst, and of course, Pittsburgh Steeler fullback. That's how I remember Merrill. Um, how are you today, Merrill? Joe, I'm great, brother. Fantastic. That's good. Go ahead. I'm sorry I didn't hear you there. I said, I'm fantastic, baby. That's good. Where are you in the world today, Merrill? Actually, I'm in my home, my home office um, in um, Cincinnati slash Kentucky area. You know, I was, I'm originally from Seymour, Indiana, which okay. is about 90 miles west of Cincy. John Mellencamp's from that town, small town. My mom went to high school with him, but I'm very familiar with that area. Um, tried to get a job as a college teacher there for a while with the Bearcats, but it didn't work out. But anyways, let's jump into this. So since leaving the NFL, and obviously your job as an ESPN analyst, what's been keeping you busy, Merrill? Well, I actually have numerous things that um, I'm involved with. Um, first of all, I do a lot of motivational speaking, and that has kind of been my third passion I've, I've uh, stumbled into, quite honestly. It, if you backed up 30 years ago and said, would you, do you think you ever speak in front of people and do that as a li for a living? I would <laughs> never. Never. I mean, getting in front of people and speaking was not something that I was a fan of, but I am passionate about it. Um, I'm working on building an app, a, a concussion app where oh, wow. you give the, the app actually encompasses everything, helping people put together protocols to identify head trauma, the removal and valuation of that, that person in the environment. And I use environment because this is a misconception. People think head trauma just happens in sports, and that's because you just see it everywhere. When the reality is the leading cause of head trauma in the entire country is tripping and falling. Sports doesn't even come close. Sports isn't even in the top three. You know? Really? Yeah. So tripping and falling, objects, car accidents, those lead the categories of head trauma. So being able to identify head trauma, identify head trauma is most important because if you don't identify and remove somebody from that environment, well, you surely can't evaluate or care. Sure. But then the next step would be evaluating. Do you go, do you return the person back to um, their environment or do they go to treatment? And then the type of treatment they get needs to be the proper kind of care. And there's so many good treatments and there's so many different ways to handle head trauma because head trauma is so different. So this app will encompass all of that in, in the process. So um, it's a, it's been a daunting task, but one that's almost, uh, the, uh, we're almost concluded with it. And then I do the uh, way to play program for the National Football League. And I do some social stuff and platform TV work for the Steelers as well. So where are the, some of the where are some of the places in the country you get to speak? Who are the groups you're talking to? It sounds like you're doing a great deal more than talking to ex-pro football players or athletes. And it right. sounds like you're talking to everyday folks about these things. Yeah, well, really, the large audience is, is really kind of corporate America. But we, I do a lot with um, sports. A lot, a lot of the, the sports arena, um, charities as well. But, you know, last year, obviously, that got deplete, depleted come March. Sure. But it started to pick up. I'm going to, um, in January here, I'm leaving here in a week to speak to BMW in Naples, Florida. So, you know, it's kind of the start of, uh, of a lot of speaking events I've got lined up thus far this year. So it started to pick back up. I'm going back into that direction of being there versus virtual, which, um, you know, I think virtual was kind of like, okay, it was a great alternative, you know, I was but at the end of the day, it's not the same as being there. So now humans there, were meant person. to be in, humans were meant to be near one another, be in contact. And interaction, and you know those type of things are are, are critical. Um, not just I, I, they're for me, they're critical for me too. Not just the people I'm presenting to, but but myself. It's important. 
So I'm interested, what are some of the feedback you get from the people you speak to, you know, who've been where you've been with um, having injuries like that? And what are some of the most common ways you said tripping and falling, not sports? Well, first of all, I think a lot of people, um, you know, just lack awareness and education information. First of all, just the actual care that's available today sure. and the treatments that are available. Um, most people don't know about that. You know, they're, they're unaware of the incredible, first of all, let's go back to the beginning of it, the identifying process. You know, some people don't even know how to put those in place and execute them. So that's the first start that you help people with. Then the evaluation process, and then do they move into care or can they return back to the environment? Most people don't know that process. And then let's get to care. Care is really something that people should be um, hopeful, by, hopeful about, inspired by, because um, head trauma can have in a variety of ways and symptoms can be uh, abundant. Um, and there's non-medicated, um, non-invasive ways of helping people too, which is another part that we are educating people with the app. It's not getting on medication. Um, it's a real proactive approach. And uh, I've seen so many people benefit from it, from my own son to colleagues, you know, John Saunders, don't know if you remember him. Oh, he, yeah, sure. Yeah. Well, you know, he dealt with head trauma for years by tripping and falling in a studio. Really? You know, and it was, wasn't really till I was able to get him to the right people and wow. he got the right treatment that he got cleared up. And I remember I told him, I said, listen, at one, one day, the fog will clear. I don't know when that is, but the fog's going to clear. And it was months later. I remember he's going over the Walt Whitman Bridge when he called me in New York. And he's like, the fog cleared. You know, and it was just sort of help people and realize there is there are things available. Um, and the more we do that, um, really the better and safer all environments can be if you put that into action. Okay, that's a great story there. So let's switch gears just a little bit and talk a little bit more about the NFL. So I'm curious to know what's your take on the current state of the NFL, considering COVID and also the political venue it's become for folks. Um, obviously, COVID is changing the way we attend games, watch games, um, and it also brings to life future pandemics. What will that mean down the road? But what is your take on the current state of the NFL? Well, I think how they handled it, it was incredible. I think you know, most people... If you at the beginning of the season, um, I guarantee you, bet you, in all honesty, most people would have said, they, I didn't think they'd finish. Um, I actually did anticipate this type of thing happening that as the season moved on, um, you would see more fans, and then the Super Bowl, we'd have more fans. And because it's going to be in Florida, that still looks like that'll be the case. And um, what nobody could predict is all of the different turns in the road that were going to happen for every team. You know, the Steelers had a ton of it. Titans had a ton, you know, every, every team impacted them at some point, sure. but um, it's, a, you know, my, my first book was find a way. My life journey has been about finding a way. And I'm um, like 2020 was a find a way year for everybody because find a way is about something being fit you're faced with and you clearly don't know how to handle it. You don't know which way to take but you got to do something and you got to find a way through that process somehow, some way, rather it's, you know, um, you take a different approach. You look at things differently. You look outside the scope of things um, versus doing nothing. Taking action has always been what those words have inspired in my life. Um, rather they're a goal, a dream or an obstacle. And um, I think everybody in the shoot, almost in the world had to live a find a way year through 2020. Yeah, well said, Merrill. And on the other side of that question, the NFL now is also kind of a stage, a political stage for a lot of folks um, and even athletes. I'm wondering, 
you know, is a lot of people argue is not the place for it. How do you feel about that? I mean, at the end of the day, these are all private citizens who are voters, right? Work just like you and I, and I have political views. And if I were to go in my front yard and start telling people, I mean, I could post Biden or Trump in the front. I'm allowed to do that. Why is it such a, I guess, faux pas in the sporting world? Well, you know, I think people go look at watch sports to watch sports. You know, you guys they got a bunch of other channels if they want to listen to that garbage, you know. Um, um, and, you know, I get from a personal perspective when I played for the Steelers, I go back to what the Roonies, um, one of our first conversations I ever had as a rookie, which I was actually blown away by. I was expecting football, 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 football. And it was how we are, uh, we, we, we need to be fibers of the community. You know, we need wow. to get back and help and, and serve and, and, and be a part of our people. That's why the Steelers and that, the Steelers nation is so powerful, quite honestly, because of that. Um, now, that being said, that stuff we do in the off season, you know, or our time off, you know, I always thought like, focus on during the season inside the white lines and let that be that way. And then do your, do your work out of that, do that, your work later when you're outside the white lines, you know, so I don't think it's a time to make, I, if I'm, if I'm still playing, I'm not making my, my political statements during football. That is not what I'm there to do. That is not what I believe this, the stage is for. That stage gives me opportunities outside that arena to go, to go do it. And that's how I would conduct it. And that's how I've always actually conducted it, you know, and then, you, you know, don't, you don't interfere with those people who come to watch a football game. You know, at one time in America, it seemed that asking who you voted for was just as, I guess, you know, obtrusive as asking how much money you made. And to a certain degree, keeping that, you know, that in the street, that objectivity in the street of I'm just an American in the street, I'm a politician or whatever in the voting booth by myself could keep the streets a little more sane than they are today. Am I right? Well, that's right. Listen, I, here's how I view that, that thing, that perspective and whatever, but anybody may have on that perspective. I always ask people, can you walk on water? Well, if you can't walk on water, here's what you should do. And this is what I have. I remember a decade ago, I put it up on my, my board, uh, my goal board, is I take care of my backyard. I have enough things to worry about my own life, the own things to work on, than to worry about somebody else's. Um, and therefore, I don't want that put on me. I don't want somebody else yeah, judging of course. me with maybe zero information and they, they assess their evaluation, which is um, it's just it's just being poor. It's being poor as a human being to do stuff like that is when you start judging and evaluating with zero information or whatever little information you now think you have all the information. Sure, sure. So I really tried to practice practice that. Um, I know this. I, I don't. I don't even attempt to try to walk on water because I know exactly where I'm going. The going bottom. The bottom. <laughs> yeah, really fast. So with the rest I of us, man, with the rest of you us. know, and I try to do just be the best I can be and continue to evolve as a person and business as, you know, a family guy. Um, those things keep me busy. You know, I have to, I, it doesn't, my mind doesn't wander. You know, I, I like, I think the word peace, if everybody wants peace in their life, what, what is peace really? You know, it's freedom of conflict. And when you start wandering into other people's arenas, you create conflict. You can't have peace when you're sitting there trying to change other people and point at other people. And I call that a losing locker room, a toxic locker room. When you point fingers, cast blame, make excuses, I can promise you there, there's never been a person that um, garners success when that is the, 
that is their recipe and the environment they live in. However, if you're in another, the successful locker room, first thing a successful person always does, self-evaluate. Look at themselves, make create corrections, create a different plan, and then take action on their circumstances. There you garner success. And I've really tried to practice that. I, in my messaging, when I talk, I, I talk about that. And I'm a product of so many people who have helped me do that. So, you know, I, I share messages and stories about that. And I just try to exercise that every day the best I can. You know, back on the game, Merrill, to the NFL, in addition to, you know, growing as a political stage or how it's evolved with COVID, at the same time, technology involving protection of the game has changed a great deal since you were on the field. And so I'm wondering, how do you view that from the outside, especially with your personal experiences and injury? Um, and, you know, having been a professional football player, do you see that the padding, the technology is progressing in the right way and that the players out there are more protected today? I don't think there's any doubt. I mean, it's a much better environment than when I played. Um, and I'm part of making that environment better. And that's what ultimately what you can be at now. You know, a lot of players get angry and frustrated. Geez, you know, we didn't make, I mean, I, I could sit there and go back and go, you know what I would make now if I played? Okay, well, they, that'd be like the Pilgrims being, you, you doing an interview with the Pilgrim and they're sitting here complaining because they didn't have planes, trains, and automobiles when they went across the prairie. Well, the first people would be like, well, they didn't have that. So that's a, that's a waste of time and energy. Sure. Um, how you look at it is you help make it better for the people behind you. Um, which is what, what you like to do. You know, as a parent, you want your kids better than you are. And you try to break chains and not pass things on and help them in that process. And so I'm excited for where a player is today. You know, I, I remember when I signed with the Chicago Bears, I made a million dollars a year. Now, what I started, when I went back and looked at, when Walter Payton finished playing, which was 1987, I believe it was his last year, his career was yes. year. He made, he was the highest paid player in the NFL at a million dollars. So I start thinking, I'm like, hmm, you think Walter Payne would be making a million dollars right now? You know, when I went to Chicago, he would be making like 20 million. You know what I mean? So yeah. anybody can do that at any given time. And, um, you know, that's why being respectful of people who the history of stuff and building on that, you know, is a, I think an important thing to keep perspective of, of where you are and what you have. Um, I have to ask, if you were wearing the protection they're provided today when you were playing, would you have had some of the concussions or injuries that you suffered? Oh, clearly could have. Um, that, see, see, equipment's not going to prevent that. And what happened to me in my career is improper care. That's completely different, oh, and it's sure. misunderstood. My career didn't end because of head trauma. Because if that would have been the case, the Monday night game when I sustained my major head trauma, I would never played again. I did not. I, played, I was actually practicing five days later. There comes wow. where the improper care came into place. So now when you put that into perspective, the protocols and that are applied that are part of today's game that weren't a part of there, but they were starting with the Steelers. Those are in abundance. I sat on the, the committee with the, the National Football League on the return to play for our players. That's how we came up with the tent, because part of our discussion was like, I'm on the sideline getting a question from you, Doc, and you're asking me, what's the score? I can use a scoreboard. Okay, I can use some things to cheat. Um, I don't I can't handle answering questions with the emotions of the game going on. If a turnover happens, I'm not paying attention to you. I'm going to go back and play. So that's really why the tent was brought is that you can bring peace to the player. You know, you can, you can sign, you can bring them out of the environment a little bit. Then based on how that goes, you can either come back out or you go to the locker room, those stages. So the protocols that are in place today 
the what the steps are to evaluate the player and make sure they're okay. That is what that's what's the best thing about not just the NFL. It should be about every sport because every sport can have head trauma, you know, and even in the, your homes, that kind of thing can be applied. That's why I go back to that app. This app will give you those resources, information and guide that guideline to help you through that process. So you do the best thing for your family members or the person in an environment that had head trauma. You know, before we take a quick break, Merrill, I have to ask, is the game today too violent? Well, it depends on how you define violence. I mean, it's a, it's a physical game. I mean, that's part of the beauty of it. That's what I loved about it. I remember as a kid, I mean, I played, I was actually probably best at baseball. I was best at baseball. I really loved baseball and I was good at basketball, but man, like what was it in football people? What was it in football? It was just the contact of it. I like the physical contact of playing that sport. And listen, it's not for everybody, but it is for millions. I mean, I remember my son was kind of the same way. I tried to get him to all sports because I never got an experience on golf. So I was like, I'm going to make sure Bo has every, every sport he gets to uh, touch a little bit. And I'm just telling you, by the time he was seven, I could tell. I was like, this kid loves football. He just loves fighting. There's nothing I can do about that. And, and it's his makeup. And listen, I coached thousands of kids over from 1991 to really to my last stint here just a couple of years ago with your call football, where we started a, a pro league where fans called our plays. Like you see the passion of people who love to play the game. So we don't want to take the game from them. There's no reason to take the game from there is no scientific evidence whatsoever that says sports football is going to cause a b or c zero as far as head trauma and cognitive behavior zero people say that but nobody asks them the question well then show me the information the evidence that proves that then you're going to get uh uh uh, and they start dancing around things or they'll send you some piece of garbage that's not scientific that being said we make the game the best we can i've always talked to parents there's been times when kids are sitting there stretching. I'm getting ready for the season. I can tell he doesn't want to be there. I ask him, do you want to be here? No. Well, what do you like doing? And he'd give me a list of things. So I talked to mom and dad and they're like, well, you know, he doesn't want to be here. I'm like, I know we brought him because of you. And I'm like, no, my job's already hard enough. It's okay. He doesn't like it. He likes other things. So be grateful for that. So feed that passion. But football's not for everybody, but it is for millions. And the environment that exists today is the best and safest we have ever seen it in the history of the sport. Really all sports should be like that. As long as the protocols for head trauma are being applied. Well, you heard it here first guys from Merrill Hodge straight from him. I appreciate that. All right. We'll be back in just a few minutes after hearing a word from our sponsors with Merrill Hodge. Today's episode of innovation tech talks is brought to you by Omron. Omron is a world leader in technology designed to solve social issues, improve lives, and build a better tomorrow. They serve a range of industries which utilize their technologies to innovate and grow factory automation, healthcare, mobility, and energy management. In the industrial automation business, Omron technology demonstrates the power of machines to unleash human potential, pursuing the ideal in automation, in which people and machines are working together in harmony. Omron provides sensing, control, safety, vision, motion, and robotics technologies for the automotive, food and beverage packaging, semiconductor, electronics, life sciences, and infrastructure industries. For over 80 years, Omron has helped industrial businesses maximize potential by solving problems with creativity. Learn more, go to automation.omron.com. All right, we were back here with Merrill Hodge talking to him about everything from technology in the NFL to the current state of the game. We picked up or we left off on where the game was too violent. Um, We're gonna uh, follow up on 
COVID impacting the NFL playoffs, as you were talking about earlier, Merrill, um, this is the time when, you know, it's a fan's game. The fans want to be there. As you pointed out, the Super Bowl is going to be played in Florida, so we're likely to get a little bit more fan base. But I'm, I'm curious how, how this will impact the playoffs and in future games as well. Well, that's really hard to predict, you know, you, because of what has already taken place, you know, just in this year, you know, if you try to predict something, you're going to probably be dead wrong. So, you know, I think just being equipped to handle what comes your way and be able to shift and change. And um, you said something there I want to kind of go back to when you talk sure. about technology, you know, one something I don't want um, to be left out of this because uh, and or just um, dismissed, if you will, the equipment that exists today is incredible okay the the helmet alone is 100 percent better than it was 10 years ago so just go back to 50 years ago so helmet technology equipment technology the the techniques in how they demand you play the game that has significantly helped the environment of all sports you know that do those things correctly but that doesn't mean you're gonna eliminate head trauma it's just 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 not but those things have been significant in helping reduce them you know, and minimize them. And they're a vital component of the improvements of the game of football. You know, there's just certain risk with anything that you do in life, whether it's a sporting endeavor, a working endeavor, walking to the bathroom at night, right? I mean, you're well, going to take risks. Listen, I, I was just, I was recently here. I, uh, my, my fat, fat action UPS, I don't know who comes here more, but UPS guy gets out, he's limping, uh, and I was like, oh my gosh, what, you hurt your knee. He's like, no, I've got to, got to get a new hip. I go, what? I go, what, what from what? And he's like, oh, getting out of that truck for 10 years. He goes, my, my hips wore. And I'm like, hmm. so that truck and you doing your job caused that hip issue. Now, if you hear that in football, like, oh, it's dangerous. Look at all the things that could happen. I go, shoot, they were shutting down UPS drivers because you <laughs> have a hip problem for doing that. Shoot, two days later, the, my UPS, the FedEx guy comes. He comes limping out. I said, oh, I got a bad hip. He goes, no, I got a bad knee. And he, But he'd had a bad knee from, and he'd been like 15 years going in and out, in and out, in and sure. out. So, listen, I mean, here's what I do, I do know. No matter how you want to look at it or deny it, okay, everybody's one step closer to heaven every day. Okay? <laughs> well said. Um, regardless of when that might be, we all are a day closer, a step closer. Now, do you want to live your life in fear? Well, that is your choice. Go ahead and do it. But don't pawn that fear on people, especially if you're uneducated and uninformed. Um, I think the best way to handle any environment that you want to thrive in, learn about it, create the best environment you can be, and then enjoy it. Go enjoy it. Don't rob people of it, especially um, if you're using, um, you're abusing things and misusing things to create fear. When you start doing that, that's deplorable and harmful to people. You know, I think when I think about what the NFL had to do in reaction and response of technologies to COVID-19, for example, all the Zoom meetings we've done this year, Zoom has blown up, Google Meet, all of these things. I think about what 9-11 did to standards and protocol after, you know, for flying. People who didn't fly before 2001, we did it a certain way. You remember, Merrill. No and now everybody, you know, my kids go with me, get on an airplane. They have no idea why we're taking off our belts and our shoes and we're going through safety the way that we do as opposed to, you know, years before. But certain things like 9-11 or COVID-19 not only impact the current market, they leave about residual standards to ensure those things don't happen again. And obviously, 
the world is a global society. There's airplanes flying around it every day, bringing people everywhere. And unfortunately, there's not a global health standard. So as a result, these kinds of things can happen. Um, my question is, what will the NFL do in the future? Are there going, I mean, the NFL is comprised of large stadiums, huge gatherings. It relies on that to, you know, to, to pay its players, to keep the games going. What kind of residual standards and protocol are we going to see? And, you know, Hollywood is reconsidering how they go watch movies. Well, I don't, I can't really answer that, you know, into the, in the sense of, you know, what will, what will happen to the large gatherings? You know, I think everybody would envision and hope that, listen, you can go to an arena of 65,000 people. Um, will there be some different protocols? I mean, and some of it actually is really something that's been around forever and common sense when you think of just standard hygiene and respect, for example, yeah. if you're sick, stay home don't go to the workplace or don't go out while you're sick. I mean, rather, no matter what the, the illness is, you have no virus. No that's just not being respectful for people. Yeah. I was, yeah. I never wanted anybody with a cold or a flu anywhere right. near me. Get yeah, away, if, get if away. Change that. Well, what's wrong with that? You know, that if you became sure. a little more respectful for and personal hygiene, you know, you paid more attention to taking care of your yourself, your hands, not putting your hands up around your face. And if you're sick, stay home. Um, if it enhanced that, if there was, you know, more sanitize, sanitizers when you walked in, I mean, you know, I can see fallouts like that. I just, I don't see um, people being robbed of being able to gather, you know, eventually I just, I just don't think that that happens, but I don't think the human human beings or the human spirit would ever allow something like that for the long term. I mean, right. At some point you get you get you need that and you get frustrated by not frustrated by not having that. Now, how do you go about it in this in the safest environment? And listen, when you think of people who have compromising health, well, that's their responsibility to stay home. It's not my responsibility to know that when I walk out. Okay, when we leave the front door of our home then that that's on you. It's not on me, but if you have compromised health then you have responsibility to stay home, that's not my responsibility to know you have compromising health. I, I know some um, organizations where there are large groupings or events, they're considering spacing between seating. Obviously with the NFL, that would mean a complete reconstruction of so many existing, you know, multi, 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 multi-million to billion dollar facilities. I mean, that seems impossible. So I tend to agree with you. I think that down the road, at the very least, because it's done it for me, it's enhanced the need. Let's wash my hands again. Let's do this. Let's do those kinds of things. Uh, be very self-aware of what you're touching and what you're doing. And at the same time, I think that, that there'll probably be sanitation, you know, facilities more accessible, whether it's just those, like now when you go into a Planet Fitness, there's hand sanitizer stations between everything. So maybe well, something. I mean, really, what's wrong? I mean, can I, you know, what's wrong with that? If that ends up being, you know, you just, you enhance the hygiene aspect so that you don't, you know, trans any type of sickness you might have cold, any kind of flu or whatever it is. So, you know, or if you just go to the restroom and then you're going to go eat, it's a good thing to get your hands clean. It's a, uh, yeah, and, and that that shouldn't have been uh, a priority um, up to now. I mean, it should yeah, been, I think it was, Merrill. You would I think, think that was. would be a, a, you know pretty much a standard, but you're right. It, it's so uh, kind of uh, mind you scratch your head when you've got people telling you that. Really, they said people need to be told that already. I mean, they not, they don't do that already. It's crazy. 
You know, to some degree, closing last few questions here, to some degree, Merrill, you'd have to think that the game is such a good game. Football is still such a compelling game. I watched empty stadium games this year. I I didn't need to see the fans there. Having said that, it's such a more enriched environment when you're at the game, you're with your boys, you're, you're enjoying some drinks or whatever, having a good time. It's so much more engaging that way. But I guess what I ask you is, it seems to be a game that could last without the fan base. Can it? Well, it just proved it can. Um, yeah, I guess but, it could. I, but I think that, you know, the ambiance of fans, you know, it's that completes it. Okay. It still Great. was missing something. It was still Fervor. missing something. I watched it too, but it was missing something, you know. And when you see games with the games you saw, rather it was college or the NFL that had, you know, a third of the fans there, man, just that third mattered and it made a difference you know so part it's not just me i'm sorry go ahead i'm sorry go ahead Merrill. let's just hope it gets back to that you know yeah if there's some enhanced protocols that make it better and a little safer from getting any type of cold or food somebody that chose to go to the game you know and let's go back to that if you do stay home (laughs) then i think we get back to a, a, a an environment where we can go to large uh, go to a game with large crowds there you know to me even part of the television experience not just being there is also like you know i I don't couldn't tell you how many games i watched rooting for my hometown indianapolis colts to beat the pittsburgh steelers particularly those games in the mid 90s with harbaugh those few playoff games we made and seeing those terrible towels you know just a all the windmills are watching the games in Cleveland. I'm interested in seeing the, you know, the, 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 the shots of the dog pound up there or the games in Denver when she rides the horse up and down yeah. the sideline after a touchdown, it's all part of it there or on television for me. Yeah, no, I, I agree. There's, like I said, there's something missing there, you know, and hopefully that can come back, you know, um, when, as we move on, as we move forward, you know, is there going to be some, maybe some added things to help it? Well, let's, let's hope they are, you know, those things, but we can get back to uh, those type of things that, that, that a lot of millions of people enjoy. Well, Merrill, you know, we couldn't get out of, out of this interview with you without asking one final question of the year or of, of this interview, I should say, who's winning the Super Bowl and why? Well, let me just tell you this. There's, I tell people, okay, the, let's use the Pittsburgh Cleveland game. Pittsburgh was the better team going into that matchup but that's exactly why you play it. Okay. The better team didn't win the team that played better did. So who can play better on their given day? You know, listen, I think the Kansas city Chiefs are still the best team. Are they clearly the best team and nobody can touch them? Absolutely not. There's a few teams I think can clearly derail them in the AFC that's Buffalo and Baltimore. I don't think there's any doubt that that would be a great matchup, but if Kansas city happens to be on and they don't have like a, four to five turnover a game like the Steelers did because you can't predict that. And that's the biggest statistical outcome of a game is turnovers that you have, but they don't give you that before the game. So you can't predict it. Um, I still think Kansas city is, is, is the team to beat. I didn't have a chance to, to repeat when, what they, how balanced they are, how many phases they have to their team. They're the team still, I think to beat and have a chance to win it and repeat. Who will represent the NFC? Maybe Brady and the Buccaneers. Can they do it? But you know what? It, obviously, that would be a, a, he, he's a crazy story. He's that'd be a crazy his story. coach status. You know, and, and it's been done where you, wild card goes on the road and does it. Mm-hmm. Shoot, the Steelers did it and won it. 
um, can be done. Um, 2005 Steelers, right? Right. So they can do that. Um, I think your Colts experienced some of that that run. I didn't want to bring that up, but anyway, they brought it. They, we'll, move, we'll move on. But you know, <laughs> yes, uh, really three good teams, you know, what you, when you look at them, you know, obviously the Bucks, And when you look at um, the Saints and, and the Packers, um, you know, so it'll be hard to beat. It'd be hard. Now, going back to what we're talking about, it would be harder to beat Lamb, beat, beat the Packers and Lamb, but with that fan base. Yes. But, but the weather element is still part of that. Oh, sure, you know, sure. So when you have, you know, a, a dome team, and a warm team that has to go to a cold team that does have a factor to do with the little Brady's used to that though. You know, he, that, that wouldn't phase him. He's done that so many times, but when you've played all year in warm climate, man, it's like when you walk out in that cold, that's why in December, when, when I look at our schedule and I'm in Pittsburgh or Chicago and I see somewhere South, I'm like, I can't wait. That's not an advantage for them in December. That is a disadvantage for the, the South teams because they've got warm weather. We can't wait to get to it. So yeah, I bet. I bet it fires. But you I up. think Green Bay, I mean, it'll be hard to beat Green Bay out and root them out of out of their home field advantage. All right. So Merrill Hodge predicts Kansas City, Green Bay in the Super Bowl. And if Kansas City plays like Kansas City, it's a Chiefs victory. It's a Chiefs victory with the repeat. Merrill, I thank you so much for joining us today. It was a great interview and great for you to finally talk to an old friend because I've known you for 35 years, as I pointed out. I know, Joe, finally, finally got together, brother. I sure finally, appreciate finally it. Finally got to talk. Take care, brother. Thanks, Joe.